Welcome to the audio podcast of Dwell in the Word from First Reformed Church in Edgerton, Minnesota. Bible readings and devotional commentary to help you grow in faith by dwelling in God's Holy Word. Welcome to Dwell in the Word. Today is September 29th. It is Wednesday. And so we're going to begin today with another prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. Let us pray. O Lord God, who sees that we put not our trust in anything that we do, mercifully grant that by your power we may be defended against all adversity. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, we have another interesting passage from here in 1 Corinthians. Today we're going to read from chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, verse 2 through verse 16. Hear the word of the Lord. Now I commend you, because you remember me in everything, and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourselves, is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory? For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. As I mentioned, we find ourselves in another difficult passage here in 1 Corinthians with this this beginning of chapter 11. There is so much cultural distance between us and the first century that we struggle to understand what this means. In fact, there's multiple interpretations of what it means. We do our best, but the culture is so different then, and there's so much time, we really do, do not know best how to interpret this fully. Also, uh, I really don't have the time to go into everything I read about this. I, I spent just spent a lot of time trying to understand it. Uh, to go through and to explain it and to give all the different viewpoints would take far more time than a devotional video is supposed to undertake. And so I will do my best to distill the basic understanding that I've acquired here and then try and find some uh, important application for us to step out into the world with today. So, what is the big deal with head coverings? Well, as I said, there's so much cultural distance we don't understand this. Well, for the men, uh, pagan men would cover their heads in worship. This was not something that men would want to do in a Christian setting because they weren't being pagan worshipers. And for women, if you uncovered your head, it uh, disrespected the husband because it essentially implied a, for lack of a better term, availability. Ability, uh, in a marital or sexual sense, um, women would uh, often 
have shaven heads if they had been convicted of prostitution and things like this. Again, there's a lot of different information. I'm doing my best to distill it down. And so this is why Paul is bringing this up. He isn't saying, well, you didn't come to church with a hat on. Shame on you for that. There, that It's not about style. It's not about a submissiveness even. Uh, because as Chrysostom, Chrysostom uh, a second century Christian uh, theologian said, if this was about submission, if this was about men controlling women, why would Paul talk about marital things? He would be talking instead about slavery, about slaves. There was plenty of people in that culture who were in submission that if he wanted to um, be oppressive with this text, he could have used that as examples. But instead, what does he talk about? He talks about here, as I have highlighted in verse 11, how there's a dependence between um, men and women, husbands and wives, and and the Lord. Uh, That's what Paul's point is here. And so even though it comes across as harsh to us, and I'm not saying that some of these things aren't true for us or are true for us, I'm saying that through the cultural distance, we truly struggle to understand what this means. And so we have to come to it and try and understand it as best we can and distill out all these different ideas to figure out how it fits in with how we want to uh, believe and, and understand. Not because, not because we don't want to take the, the word at, its, at, at what it says plainly, but because we just cannot understand this because we don't have a category for a woman with a shaved head coming into our church, meaning that she's available. We, we just don't have that. So what do we do with this? I think we want to look at verses 11 and 12 because that is where we understand how Paul views these relationships between male and female. While he talks about the man as the head, there is a complementary nature to what Paul is talking about. We, we need each other. Men and women uh, work together and we do so to glorify God and God designed it this way. So we see here in verse 11, Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. We are designed by God to work together. We have roles that God ordains. And it says, and all things are from God. And so we understand who we are in the light of how God designed us. And so as we think about this passage and we scratch our head over it when we come to it, uh, chances are a lot of us maybe even... Uh, just sort of read over it and just sort of go, I have no idea what this is saying, and we jump by it. As we do that, uh, it's important that we slow down and think about the one thing that I think that we can really take away from this at a devotional level. There's other stuff in here if we could take the time for 45 minutes and and dig through this. Uh, But what we see is that God has designed us to work together. You know, man and woman, we are not, men and women, we are not at odds with one another. God designed us in a particular way. He gave us different desires, different purposes, different ways of seeing the world, each and every one of us, even as individuals, uh, in such a way that we can bring glory to him. He works all things together for his good, and, and all of these things are from God. So may we see the differences between us. You know, uh, what was that famous book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, or whatever, as if we're just total polar opposites. And in many ways, uh, you could say, That is true, but God designed those differences uh, for our good and for his glory. And so may we come across passages like this and and may we understand that underlying theme in scripture that, that God 
elevates the roles that we have. He created them and he desires that we use them for his good and or for our good and his glory. And so may we be thinking about that good goal of glorifying God, not only in the jobs that we do, but in our relationships with other people and between men and women and husband and wives. So may that be our focus as we come away from this passage and not the things of the world. Let us go to prayer. Triune God, we praise you for the loving kindness that you have shown to us in Christ. You have bought us with his precious blood to be your bride, and we remember your loving kindness and desire to humbly serve you for the great gift of salvation that you have bestowed upon us. We ask, O Lord, for you to bless the missionaries that our church supports in our country and throughout the world. You are the Lord of the harvest, and you, and you send out the laborers, and so we pray for a plentiful harvest by the power of the Holy Spirit. Today we especially lift up to you Center of Hope in Sioux Falls. We ask that you would bless their work, that they might share the good news of salvation in Christ and the reign of your kingdom. Strengthen those who work there as they labor for you and help those who are in need in their community. As we continue through this week and continue to serve you in your world, we ask for strength to persevere. Bless us with a desire to serve you in humility, that our lives might bring glory to Christ alone for who he is and what he has done. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, I hope you have a good Wednesday and you get past the middle of this week well. Take care. Thank you for listening to Dwell in the Word. You can find more information about First Reformed Church at our website, edgertonfrc.org. Dwell in the Word episodes are available weekdays on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can also watch the video versions of these devotions at our Facebook page and YouTube channel.